turns 12 years old. And I have driven that car for nearly a quarter of a million miles. It's incredible. And the thing that I've determined that has made that car hang in there, the thing that uh, I attribute its long life to is the fact that that car has a manual transmission. Now, many of you don't have a clue what that is. Uh, but uh, a manual transmission is something that you actually do by hand. You shift the gears by hand. Uh, and, yeah, it's a pain in the neck sometimes. Uh, you know, when, when you're shifting from gear to gear in city traffic from stoplight to stoplight, I mean, it's a real hassle sometimes. But the good thing is about a manual transmission is I can downshift my car and slow my car down in half the time that it takes using the brakes only. So I find that driving a car with a manual transmission makes me pay attention better. Uh, it makes me pay attention to my speed better. It makes me pay attention to my surroundings better because I'm, I'm going to be ready to downshift should the need arise. It also makes me pay attention to those crazy people that drive slow in the left lane. Amen? That's two of you. Good deal. But, you know, in life, I think that there are times that we need to downshift. There are times that we need to gear down. But there are also times that we need to gear up. And the coming of a new year, oftentimes, is the opportunity for us to gear up. Amen? So let's, let's talk about first, when should we gear down? When should we gear down? Friend, if you're going too fast, you need to gear down. Amen? If your life is going by too quickly, if you're going too fast, you got too much going on, you need to gear down. If you're not paying attention to other people, you need to gear down. You need to downshift. If, if you're doing things that you ain't got no business doing, you need to downshift. You need to gear down. Uh, and if we're honest with one another, we all know that we're probably doing things or have done things that we probably ain't got no business doing. Now, I'm not talking about murdering and stealing and all that kind of stuff, but I'm talking about the little things that we do that might not be pleasing to the Lord. I'm talking about those things that make us lose our focus and make us drift uh, from the Lord, if you will. Those things that make our devotion to the Lord decline. Now, you may remember that in Matthew 6, Jesus told his followers, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first. The problem is he did say that, but oftentimes we don't do that. Amen? We don't place God first. Sometimes the kingdom of God is the last thing that's on our to-do list. And we need to be alert of that because if that's the case with you, if you've been putting God and God's business last on your list, that's when you better gear down. That's when you better downshift. You better think about slowing up and getting right and making some changes in your life. So that's when we ought to gear down. When should we gear up? 
Well, if we're living from the Lord, if we're living for his kingdom, we should always be geared up. Amen? We should always be ready to roll. We should always be moving forward in the Lord. I mean, after all, can you do too much for the Lord? You really can't. He's done a lot for us. Listen to what Paul wrote to believers like you and me in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Christians are instructed to never, say never, Never be lacking. Never be lacking in diligence. Never be lacking in hard work. But be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Never be lacking in those things. At the end of this year, you may realize, you know what? I need to gear down. But as 2017 comes upon us, you may also realize, hey, you know what? It's time for me to gear up. It's time for me to upshift. So how can we prepare for a brand new year? You know, some people could care less about doing anything different than they did last year. But I just want to tell you that as people who belong to the Lord Jesus, we should care. We should care about doing things differently. We should care about doing better. We should care about being better. We should care about doing more for the Lord. We should care about being better examples of Jesus Christ for all those people that are watching you day after day and hearing you day after day and reading your Facebook posts day after day. We should care. 2017 should be different for you than 2016. You should do better and you should be better than you were last year. Now today, in Romans chapter 13, that's on page 1009 on the Bibles in, in the Bibles in front of you. In Romans 13, verses 8 and 9, we're going to look at three ways Three ways that you can improve your life over 2016. And three ways that you can improve your fellowship with the Lord over what you did in 2016. So if you're on page 1009 in the Bible there, in Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, follow along with me. Because Paul is writing to believers. He's not writing to pagans. He's not writing to filthy, filthy sinners. He's writing to believers like you and I, and he says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there are any other commandments, they are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Verse 11, and do this. You hear the command there? Do this, Bethel. Do this, Christians. Do this, believers. Do this, you who are worshiping God here on January the 1st, 2017. Do this, knowing the time that now it is high time. Your mama ever said that? 
It's high time you do something. It's high time to do what? To awake. To awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and in envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. The first thing you need to do to improve your life over last year and to grow your relationship with God over last year is wake up. Amen? Some of us, many of us, all of us need to wake up. Look in verse 11. And do this, knowing the time that it is now, high time to awake, to wake up out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first began. On December the 10th, 2007, Michael Vick got a wake-up call. One writer said Michael Vick went from icon to inmate. Vick had received a 23-month prison sentence for his role in a dogfighting ring where he gambled on pit bulls and without mercy killed those poor animals. To me, Michael Vick has paid a dear price. He's paid dearly. He lost millions of dollars. He faces fines and penalties to this day that are probably going to lead him bankrupt. His pro football career will never be the same. He's uh, tarnished his reputation. He's lost his dignity. He traded in an Atlanta Falcons uniform for an orange prison jumpsuit. And Vic has no one to blame but himself. Vic should have never been involved in dogfighting and such cruelty to animals. Vic should have been more careful about the people he was hanging out with. Vic should have been more careful and realized that there were many people who wanted to bring him down. Vic was naive. He lied. He broke the law. And now he's paid a heavy price. Michael Vick certainly received his wake-up call. I pray that you don't have to get that kind of wake-up call. Now, one reason that Vick did what he did was because of Satan. Let's be very honest about this. Satan is still alive today. Do you know that? He is alive and well on this planet that we're living in. And I want to tell you this with very, very clear voices, a very clear voice, that he's out to get you. He's out to tear you down. He's out to tear me down. Peter wrote to believers, you better be self-controlled. And you better be alert. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to whom he may devour. Therefore, resist him and stand firm in the faith. You got an enemy out there and he hates your guts. Why? Because you love Jesus. So, if I'm supposed to resist the devil, how in the world am I going to do that? 
He's a lot more powerful than me. How am I supposed to do that? Well, James tells us to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I don't want you to think for one iota, for one second, that you can resist the devil in your own strength. You can't. We have to take heed to what James said and realize that we first must submit to God. We must submit to God, yield to his will, surrender our lives to him completely, allow him to fight the battles. And then I promise you, my friend, Satan will flee from you. Preacher Billy Sunday once said, I know the devil's real for two reasons. One, because the Bible said so. Two, because I've done business with him. Any of y'all ever done business with him? Michael Vick did business with him. I'll bet you that Michael Vick would say the exact same thing. Yeah, I've done business with him. So what about us? At what point are you going to wake up? What is it going to take for us to wake up about certain things? What will it take for us to wake up and realize some of the things that we've done that were definitely wrong, we just don't want to admit it? What's it going to take? Sadly, most people have to go down before they can go up. Isn't it sad? But who wants to go down? We all want to go up. I read about a man who was delivering a package, and he came to this little side street, and on the beginning of that side street was a handwritten sign that said, blocked, do not pass, difficult to turn around. What do you think he did? He went straight on down that, that side street. And he got down there to the side street, and he came, and indeed the road was blocked by a fallen tree. And on either side of this narrow road were these deep ravines. And somehow, he got his truck turned around, and he headed back out to the, the very beginning of that side street, only to find another sign that said, told you so. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Don't you hate being told, I told you so? What does it mean when somebody says that to you? I told you so. What does it mean when they say to, to that to you, it means you were warned, but you thought you knew better, and you were wrong. Amen? How many times has God warned us, but we thought we knew better, and we were wrong? How many times could God say, I told you so? But even when some people are told, I told you so, they still keep right on doing those same things that they know are wrong. Now, at some point, God is going to get fed up with the I told you so, and he's going to do something worse than block your path or say I told you so. And you're going to get a wake-up call like Michael Vick got. So I ask you this morning, is God speaking to you in some way about the new year? Is he speaking to you in some way about what was happening last year and how things need to be different? Is God trying to get your attention somehow? Is God trying to tell you something? You know, I think, in a sense, he tells every one of us in this room today, 
it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up about certain things. Now, that's not where God stops. Because not only does he say, okay, Bill, you better wake up. He tells me that when you wake up, it's time to shape up. Amen? So let's look there in verse 12 and see what the word of God says. For the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. If there's something you've been doing and you ain't been walking properly, it's time to wake up. It's time to shape up. It's time to walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness or lewdness and lust, not in strife or in envy. You see, once we receive that wake-up call, then we get the shape-up call. Amen? It's time to shape up. It's time to put aside the works of darkness. It's time to start walking properly. Amen? Uh, someone said, uh, you know what? I don't exercise at all. If God wanted me to touch my toes, he'd have put them a little bit higher on my body. Amen? Another person said, hey, I'm in great shape. Round is the shape. Amen? And has anybody heard of the BMI, the body mass index? Well, uh, a year or so ago, at a wellness visit for insurance purposes, I was told that the ideal weight for my height was 178 pounds. Well, that may not sound bad to you, but what it says to me is I'm actually 52 pounds overweight. According to the body mass index, I need to shape up. Amen? I need to get with it. However, when it comes to the fitness of our faith, the standard is not the BMI. When it comes to the fitness of our faith, the standard is the Word of God. When it comes to the fitness of our faith, the standard, the plumb line, is Jesus Christ Himself. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, the Bible tells you and I to examine ourselves. You better take a good inward look. Examine ourselves to see whether you're in the faith or not. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you're failing the test. We need to be testing ourselves to see if we're in shape. And I think if we, if we all took a long, hard look in our lives from a spiritual standpoint and we measured it according to the, the standard of God, the standard of God's word, I believe that we would quickly see that we all need to shape up. Amen? Because unless you're perfect, unless you've, unless you've already received glory, you've got some places in your life that need to be shaped up. We need to shape up. And I know that we all greatly need more of God's warnings, more of God's instructions, more of God's direction. We all need that. I understand that. But listen here. Here's what we really need. Are you ready? If you're ready, say amen. Here's what we really need. What you really need to do is greater obedience to what you already know. Problem is, we know plenty. We know plenty about what the Word of God says. We just don't obey what it says. So that's what we really need to do. We need to shape up on what we already know and then continue to grow. Shaping up spiritually, what does it involve? It involves more Bible study. That's why I harp and harp and harp and dwell and dwell and dwell on life groups. 
Because every one of us need to get in better shape spiritually by reading the Word of God, by studying the Word of God. That's what life groups does. You need to be in a life group, amen? You need more prayer. Another, that's something else that life groups do. Not only do we pray for ourselves, not only do we pray for the life group, we pray for the church. We pray for special needs. We pray for those that are hurting. We need more prayer. That will build us up and shape us up spiritually. But what we also need to do is be more involved with what God's already doing in your life. You're plugged into a church that's already serving God. You're plugged into a church that already has countless ministries in our community. The question is, are you plugged into one of those areas? Are you involved with what God is already doing in our midst? Are you coming and just getting more knowledge? So we can get so much knowledge, but we're no heavenly good because we're not using what God has given us. So let us be involved with what God is already doing. And when I start focusing more, when I start focusing more on the Lord, when I start focusing more on God's people, when I start focusing more on other people, when I start focusing more about Christian service, what happens? The more I focus on those things, the less I focus on me. The less I focus on self. The less I focus on uh, play. The less I focus on pleasure. The less I focus on temptation. Amen. So I've concluded, friends. I need to shape up. <laughs> I need to shape up. How about you? Well, not only do we need this wake-up call for 2017, not only do we need a shape-up call for 2017, but we also need a dress-up call for 2017. Look there in verse 14 with me. The Bible says, but put on, say put on. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And now if you would go back up to verse 8. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there are any other commandments, they are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Someone once said, what do you instantly know about a well-dressed man? You know that his wife knows how to pick out clothes well. <laughs> Amen? Mark Twain once said, clothes make the man. Naked people make little influence on society. And I believe that dressing nice is nice. But it's nicer if the person inside the clothes is nice. Amen. Mama said, now you know if mama said this, you better listen. Mama said, it's important to be nice. And it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. It's more important to be nice. There's actually a book entitled The Power of Nice. And in that book, the whole idea is uh, not only dressing well on the outside, but dressing well on the inside and learning to be a nice person. Learning to be nice people. Random acts of kindness. They go a long way. 
uh, simple gestures of kindness, man, they can be quite powerful. One woman proved it one day by sparking a chain of kindness that stretched for miles from a Pennsylvania Starbucks. She came up to the drive-thru window, placed her order, and then the woman told that clerk that she wanted to buy the order for the man behind her. In return, she said, all I want him to agree to is that he will do something nice for someone else. And then the gentleman in car number two uh, decided that he was going to pay for the coffee in car number three. And car number three agreed to pay for car number four and so on. And it culminated in a two-hour chain that was 100 cars long. The Starbucks employees were just overwhelmed by this burst of generosity. They were overwhelmed that people were so nice at a drive through window and that they were willing to pay it forward. Now, buying a cup of coffee is real nice, but there are hundreds of other things that you can do to be nice. And my whole point in bringing up this niceness is that niceness comes from a heart that's nice. Where do you get a heart that's nice? Friend, it comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from a man, Jesus, who lived his life on earth going about doing good all the time. And we're to follow him. Verse 14 said, put on Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, put on clothes. Put on Jesus Christ. Amen? Put him on. All right, Bill. How do I do it? How do I put on Jesus? Well, it's no big deal, really. It's no real secret. It's similar to an actor who is preparing for a part in a movie. That actor um, begins to study. He begins to saturate his mind to become the person that he's portraying. For hours and hours and hours, he studies the person that he wants to become. It's no different when putting on Jesus. What do you do? You study his word. You learn all you can about him. You study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you, you, you get a heart that's receptive to change. And then you suddenly become absorbed in who this man was. And if you stay in it, and you keep studying it, and you keep studying his life, eventually, you're going to become more like him. Putting on Christ. You know, in the book of Acts, Peter and John put on Jesus. And listen to what happened. When the people saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. When people saw the boldness of Peter and John, when people saw how Peter and John were living, they no longer saw Peter and John. They saw Jesus. They saw Jesus. So what about us? Are people seeing Jesus in you? 
Have you put on Christ? Are you putting on Jesus? Have you woke up? Are you shaping up? Well, if so, it's high time to dress up and to put on Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us to be very careful how you live. You hear that? Be very careful how you live. Not living as unwise, but living as wise. Listen to this. Making the most of every opportunity. We live in a very opportunity-rich environment in this world. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be drunk with wine, which will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, let me ask you this. If you knew you were dying next week, would you do anything different? If you knew you were dying next week, I'll bet you you'd seek the Lord more. I've seen it. If you knew you were dying next week, would there be some things you'd stop doing? If you knew you were dying next week, would there be some things that you'd start doing? Maybe seeking the Lord more. I'll bet you that you would uh, start praying more. Boy, I've seen that. If you knew you were dying next week, would you worship more? If you knew you were dying next week, would you love those around you more? I've seen that. Well, none of us knows when our days are going to be over. It may be next week. And even though we got a brand new year, it would be absolutely foolish for us to think that we have all this time to do what God wants us to do. Because it may be over next week. Friend, listen. Regardless, the day is near. The day is near. And so today, on January the 1st, 2017, if there's something you know you need to do for the Lord, do it now. Do it now. If it's high time and you've received that wake-up call, and it's time for you to establish your relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ. Do it now. Christians, man, you, you've been living a good life, but you realize it's time to gear up. If there's something you need to do, do it now. Someone you need to apologize to. Someone's forgiveness you need waste no time do it now so during this invitation song there's something you want to get right 
something you want to do now on the first day of a brand new year, I encourage you to do it now. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you and we adore you and we thank you for the wake-up calls of life. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to shape up and that you would help us to dress up, clothing ourselves, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for another day of life. We know we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So Lord, if there's anything that anyone needs to do today for you, I pray that they do it now. We'll give you the glory for all of it. And we'll lift this prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Let's all stand.